Assalamualaikum. Hello and welcome to the Voice of Islam Living History Program. My name is Dr. Muhammad Iqbal and I'll be your host for the Living History Programs for the next hour or so. Uh, as listeners will know, the Living History team have uh, been producing a series on the history of Ahmadiyyat or the worldwide Ahmadiyya Muslim community. In part one and part two, uh, which have already been broadcast, by the way, on uh, uh, the Voice of Islam, and they're available on the SoundCloud. So please do go to uh, www.voiceofislam.co.uk and under the Living History Programs, you'll find uh, parts one and part two. Part one covered the advent of the Promised Messiah and Mahdi alayhi salam, Hazrat Mizar Ghulam Ahmed alayhi salam, the founder of the Amdiya Muslim uh, community. And part two covered the life and services of Hazrat Mawlvi Nuruddin, anhu, the first Khalifa or Caliph who led the community after the death of the founder. Um, by the way, the word Khalifa or Caliph, uh, which we say in English, literally means successor. Um, so please uh, be mindful as we start using this uh, term. In uh, part three, uh, we cover the life and services of Azat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmed, the second Khalifa or Caliph. And in today's program, which is part four of the series, we will be covering the life and services of Hazrat Mirza Nasir Ahmed, the third uh, Khalifa or Caliph of the Amdiya Muslim community, whose Khilafat lasted a period of 17 years from 1965 to 1982. Now, to explore the life and services of the uh, third Caliph, I'm joined by my fellow panelists, Yusuf of Thab. Assalamualaikum, Yusuf. Walaikum, Assalam, Dr. Um, you're familiar with Yusuf, of course, from previous programs, and uh, now hopefully you're familiar with Munir as well who newly joined us, and I gave a brief introduction to Munir. So, Munir, welcome. Assalamu alaikum. Um, now, before I uh, ask them to uh, join us, um, just a, a brief explanation. This is a history program, and often as Muslims and in uh, Islamic programs, when we talk about our revered figures, for example, like the Holy Prophet, we say, Salam, our peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, our PBUH we use as a term, okay, peace be upon him. And the promised Messiah, of course, we say, alayhi salam, and Khalifas that were companions of the prophets, like the promised Messiah, uh, we see Razi Allah and uh, the third caliph was not a companion directly at that stage, so we say, Remullah, we use the term RH. So we, throughout our writings, we use this, but this is a history program. Um, and uh, we may not always uh, say this, so please be uh, aware of that. So, um, before I bring you in, uh, Yusuf, uh, just as I said, uh, uh, this was a 17-year Khilafat period for Azat Mirza Nasir Ahmad Saab, and he offered great leadership and guidance to the worldwide Amdiya Muslim community. Uh, his golden achievements include the guidance he offered to the community during the anti-Amdiya crisis of 1974, which we will go into in a lot more detail. And of course, the expansion of the overseas missions throughout uh, the world that are now the envy of, uh, of the world as well, just to mention briefly. So let's start from the beginning, from his birth and his uh, early years. Uh, Yusuf, if you could take us yeah, through that. Yeah, so Hazrat Mizan Nasr Ahmed, as we know, was the um, son of the illustrious leader, Hazrat Muslim, out, you know, the second caliph who we, we covered in the previous program. He was born in Qadian on the 16th of November. 1909, and he was the uh, grandson of the Promised Messiah, Islam. It was stated in Talmud that the Promised Messiah... Uh, this is one of the books in the Old Testament. Uh, Old Testament, yeah, that he, he would um, be blessed with a son and grandson, and, and it was, you know, prophesied in there. And, and what we see here is that Promised Messiah, obviously a recipient of 
many revelations and uh, one of them within his book as well, Hakikat al-Wahi, which uh, literally translates to the philosophy of divine revelation. Again, thank God for four sons and a grandson that would be due later uh, later on. And, and one of the sons of the promised Messiah, as we know, the promised one, Hazrat Muslim Aud, was known as uh, Hazrat Mizzah Bashiruddin Mahmood Ahmed. So often when we see revelations or we read them um, and, and uh, uh, chosen servants of God are given these revelations, those could be events that take place now, there could be events that take place in the future, and we may not know about, just like in the lifetime of the Holy Prophet where certain prophecies were fulfilled in other Khulafah's time. This one we certainly see, obviously coming to fruition, where um, the prophecy of the promised son and, and Hazrat Mizzah Ghulam Ahmed, uh, the promised Messiah, had received a long and detailed revelation. And he included those words. He said, he will turn three into four, but he didn't know the meaning at that time and the significance of it. But it came uh, much later, um, you know, obviously one of the uh, first sons of his uh, marriage, uh, you know, also accepted the birth in the time of a Muslim, but also the t- glad tidings of four sons and then a grandson later on, which is Hazrat Mizan Asad Ahmed. So just um, just before the birth of Hazrat uh, Mizan Asad Ahmed, Hazrat Mizza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmed, uh, and as you say, we also call him the promised son, uh, he, had a re- he had written to a friend that God had informed him that he would give him a son who would strengthen the fabric of Islam. Uh, the much-awaited prophecy was fulfilled when Azad bin Zabishiruddin Mahmud Ahmad was granted uh, a son, as Yusuf said, on the 16th of November 1909 in Qadian. He was named Nasser Ahmad and he served as the fulfillment of this prophecy. He will turn three into four. Although the promised Messiah al-Islam had been blessed with four sons in line with the prophecy he received, his youngest son Mubarak Ahmad had passed away at the age of eight years. Thus, the arrival of Mirza Nasir Ahmed uh, ensured that the promised son had turned three into four and the promised Messiah had four champions of Islam. Um, this was something which Hazrat Mirza Nasir Ahmed pointed to at the first annual convention of his uh, Khilafat. So, Munir, um, let's start off with his early years and his training and education, uh, please. Hazrat Mirza Nasir Ahmed's mother's name was Hazrat Mahmuda Begum who was the elder daughter of Hazrat Dr. Khalifa Rashid Odin. From birth, Mirza Nasr's grandmother, Hazrat Amma Jan, the wife of the Promised Mirza, took him under her wings and looked after his upbringing. She always claimed that Mia Nasr had been given to her as a blessing in place of Mubarak Ahmed. And Hazrat Mirza Nasr Ahmed, basic learning and education started with the Holy Quran under the guidance of Kari Yasin Sahib. On 24th of February 1917, Mirza Nasir Ahmed became Hafiz at the age of 13, completed the memorization of the Holy Quran. And then he went to Madrasa Ahmadiyyat to gain additional religious and worldly knowledge before progressing to Jamia Ahmadiyyat. In 1929, at the age of 20 years, he became Molvi Fazl, the Islamic degree equivalent to BA degrees from Punjab University. So in 1934, he graduated from Government College, Lahore, with subjects of Arabic, English and philosophy. Hazrat Mizan Nasazam was a model student at the college with great moral qualities, recalling his days that he said once, I remember an incident from the days when I used to study at Government College Lahore. The college was off and I was travelling to Qadian. An arch-opponent of Ahmadiyyat came and sat in the same carriage of the train as me. 
all the way from Lahore to Amrista, he kept uttering indecent and abusive things, and I kept on responding with a smile. Such was the impact that when he got off at Amrista, he said to me, if you get 200 others like yourself and would call people towards Allah, then you would succeed in winning us over. Since I had tried my best to make you angry, but you continue to remain positive. What an amazing story. (laughs) That was his personality and his smile was so uh, really captivating. Uh, After... Completing his bachelor's, Azmiza Nasser Ahmed moved to Qadian where plans were being made for him to go to Oxford, England, in order to pursue higher studies. His father, Hazrat Muslim Aud, however, wanted to get him married first. Therefore, on the 2nd July 1934, his nikah was performed with Hazrat Sayyidah Mansura Begum, the daughter of Hazrat Nawab Muhammad Ali Khan and Hazrat Nawab Mubarakah Begum. The marriage took place on 5th August 1934. Hazrat Mirza Nasir Ahmed and Hazrat Sayyid Amansura Begum had three sons from this marriage and two daughters. They spent 47 years of their lives together. Hazrat Sayyid Amansura Begum passed away on the 13th of December 1981. So going back to um, his marriage and travels, uh, Yusuf, if you could just take us uh, through that. Yeah, so after a month of his marriage, he, t- he travelled to UK to pursue his uh, higher uh, um, education and studies, and he, and he got admitted into um, Balliol uh, College in Oxford. He stayed there for a period of about four years, and he only returned um, back home for, for a few months. And so during his stay in the UK, he extensively you know, travelled within the UK, but other, a few um, European countries. And, and Hazrat Muslimaud's um, importance that he imparted to his uh, son and the advice he'd given was that whilst you're out in England, understand the cultures, understand the the people of the uh, UK and the European sort of setting so that the true message of Islam and Madhiyat could be spread within within those cultures quite rapidly. And he, and he published this announcement in uh, Al-Fazl of Guardian, 11th uh, September 1934. Whilst obviously Hazrat Mizan Ahmed was out there in, in uh, Europe, um, and uh, was doing some travel on his uh, education, he did write a letter sort of reaffirming his dedication, as we know, in terms of, you know, when you work for no, and then you re-establish and become work for Zindagi. So his dedication of life um, for the spread and the service of Jamaat. And just a little narration between, um, you know, Hazrat Mizan Asr Ahmed and uh, Hazrat Muslim at that time. And, and he says that, though I'm already a work, yet I present myself to you again. From this time onwards, I am available for the service of Ahmadiyyat, and I hold servitude to the community dearer than all honours and consider my life to be empty and wasteful if spent away from the service of the community. Hazrat Muslim out there was extremely pleased at this, receiving this letter. So he, he wrote a very detailed letter in reply and said, May Allah bless your intention. Despite my intense desire, I never liked to say anything regarding this. And I always pray to Allah to grant you the ability to make this blessed decision, since in my opinion, you having uh, changed your decision at my urging would have wasted your reward. And, and he finally goes on to say that, therefore, alhamdulillah, that your own heart was inclined toward this. It's a beautiful relationship between father and son. Absolutely. And really, uh, you know, two people who did so much uh, for the community uh, over time. Hazrat uh, Mizan Nasser Ahmed uh, earned his master's uh, honours uh, degree in uh, political science from Oxford in 1938 
and he finally returned to Qadian via Egypt on 9th November 1938. Upon his return, he took on the responsibility of teaching at Jamia Amdiya Qadian from 1938 to 1944, and was later, of course, appointed as the principal. When Talimul Islam College was established in 1944, Muslim Maud uh, transferred him there and he thus became its founding uh, principal until 1947. After the division of the subcontinent migration to Pakistan, Hazrat Mirza Nasir Ahmed re-established the college in uh, Lahore in a derelict building. Under the instruction of Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih II, classes used to take place in the open upon mats laid out on the ground. But within a short time, it began to be counted amongst the best colleges in Lahore. Hazrat Muslim Aud instructed Hazrat Mirza Nasir Ahmed to obtain a new building um, constructed in the newly formed town in uh, Rabwa, uh, which was the center for the community now, and to shift the college there. Hazrat Mirza Nasir Ahmed complied immediately with the instruction and had the college campus constructed with limited financial resources under his own supervision and bearing. The hardships of the intense hot weather uh, during that time. Hence, the, the college was moved from Lahore to Rabwai in 1954 and he continued as the principal of the college until 1965. He always loved education and also you know, guided young people in the field of uh, Education. So, Munir, uh, he also served a number of distinguished positions in the community. And if you could take us through that, please. Yes, he served as the Sadar, which is the president of the Central Majlis Khudam al from 1939 to 1950, and as the vice president of the same organization from 1950 to 1954. Majlis Khudam al is the auxiliary body of the community representing the youths from the ages of 15 to 40. And from June 1948 to June 1950, he played an important role in the Furkan Force Battalion, an Ahmadi volunteer force put at the disposal of the government of Pakistan for the cause of Muslim freedom fighters of Kashmir. Azamiz Anasaramad had the opportunity of serving Majlis Khudam al with great dedication for 15 years, and later Muslim Aud appointed him as the head of the Central Majlis Ansarullah which, as we know, is from 40 years onwards. And in May 1955, he was appointed as Sadar Anjaman Ahmadiyya, which is the main administrative body of the Jamaat by Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih II. And over time, he started taking on more and more key tasks and responsibility. As you can see, his leadership and his upbringing and everything was now beginning to take shape in a much more mature manner. Upon the demise of Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih II, Hazrat Mirza Nasser Ahmed was elected to be the third Khalifa or Caliph on 8th November 1965. He was 56 years of age and during his Khilafat, the Jamaat made tremendous progress across the world. Uh, Khalifat al-Masih III was very mindful of the global mission of the promised Messiah, especially in relation to the spread of Islam in Western countries. Whilst overseas missions had been established during the first two Khilafat periods, it was during Hazrat Mirza Nasser Ahmed's time that the overseas missions really started to make their presence felt in their respective countries. 
the holy founder of the Amdiya Muslim community, the Promised Messiah and Mahdi had a vision in relation to overseas missions. And I'll read uh, this particular prophecy, which was um, uh, printed in Izala Oha, uh, page 515 to 16. And this was by the Promised Messiah. And uh, I'll read it as it stands. I saw in a vision that I was standing on a pulpit in the city of London and was setting forth the truth of Islam in the English language in a very well-reasoned address. Thereafter, I caught several birds which were perched on small trees and were of white colour and their bodies resembled the bodies of partridges. I interpreted this vision as meaning that although I would not be able to travel to that country, yet my writings will be published there and many righteous English people will accept the truth. So far, the Western countries have not yet shown much attachment to religious verities. It would seem that God Almighty has bestowed all the understanding of religion upon Asia and all the understanding of worldly matters on Europe and America. All the prophets from the first to last have appeared in Asia and the excellencies of sainthood have also been bestowed on the people of Asia. It would now appear that God Almighty desires to look upon people of the West with mercy. So this is a fascinating prophecy which clearly became fulfilled. So Yusuf, uh, uh, again, take us through his first tour, and of course we will cover some of the other tours as well later, but the 1967 tour. Yeah, so 1967, it was his first tour of Europe, and... Uh it lasted from 6th of July to 24th of August, and, and he visited many European countries, West Germany, Switzerland, Holland, Denmark, and Britain. He inaugurated Bethel Nusrat Jahan on the 21st of July in Copenhagen, uh, Denmark, and declared it to be a great historical event since it was the first ever mosque built outside and, and in any of the Scandinavian uh, countries for the Jamaat. So during this historic tour, he delivered an inspiring message and, and I quote, uh, I would like to inform Ahmadis all over the world that the next 25 years will be very crucial for a spiritual revolution shall shake the world to its very foundations. I cannot say which nations will be fortunate enough to accept the message of Ahmadiyyat in block or in great force and whether those nations will be African, British or otherwise. But I do tell you that that day is not far off when certain countries or parts of there will accept Ahmadiyyat and their governance will be run by Ahmadis. The prophecies and the visions of the promised Messiah, al-Islam, are quite clear on this point. It is not known through what furnace you will have to pass in order to bring about the electrifying change in the world throughout. But you shall be put on a trial in a variety of ways before that day of fulfillment. So you must be prepared for that momentous occasion heralding the uh, advent of God's kingdom on earth in the manner foretold by the Holy Prophet ﷺ and his accredited representative, the Promised Messiah ﷺ. Now, during uh, this historic tour in 1967, Azad Mizar Nasir Ahmad Khalifa al III also delivered a word of warning to the inhabitants of Europe, which is just as important today in 2022. So, when I read this, just uh, see, see how much pertinent that advice in 1967 was uh, given, and I quote, the promised Messiah also prophesied that a third world war of even bigger dimensions would follow the second. The two opposing camps will clash with such suddenness that everyone will be caught unaware. Death and destruction will rain from the sky and fierce flames shall engulf the earth. 
the colossus of modern civilization will tumble to the ground. Both the communist and the opposing blocs will perish in the process. Russia and its satellites on the one hand and the US and its allies on the other shall be destroyed, their might broken, their civilization ruined and their system shattered. The survivors shall stand aghast and amazed at the tragedy. The end of the Third World War will be the beginning of the triumph of Islam. People will accept its truth in large numbers and will realize that Islam alone is the true religion and that the emancipation of man is to be won through the message of Muhammad. So peace and blessings of Allah be upon him alone. But gentlemen, let us not forget that this prophecy, like all prophecies, is a warning and its fulfillment can be delayed or even averted provided man turns to his Lord, repents and mends his ways. He can yet avert divine wrath if he stops worshipping the false deities of wealth, power and prestige, establishes a genuine relationship with his Lord, refrains from all transgression, does his duty to God and man, and learn to work for the true human welfare. And today, as we see the conflict in Ukraine and we saw in Syria and elsewhere, the warning still stands. Uh, may God uh, guide humanity. So um, let's turn to the, the second tour and the others uh, of Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih III. That took place from the 4th April to um, 8th June 1970. But this time the tour incorporated West Africa as well. And across Europe, he visited Switzerland, Britain, West Germany, and Spain. And in West Africa, he visited Nigeria, Ghana, Ivory Coast, Liberia, Gambia, and um, uh, Sierra Leone. So, Munir, uh, in relation to the African trip, if you could just take us through that. Yeah, the Ahmadiyya community had given great importance to Africa, as you mentioned, uh, Doxab, from early days. And Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih I had announced during his last illness, that God had assured me during my present illness that half a million Christians will be converted to Islam in Africa, or rather West Africa, which is in Bihami Rasul on the 3rd of March. Bihami Salah. Salah on the 3rd of March uh, 1914, and also in Muslim Herald as well on November 1980, uh, page 32. So in 1921, Hazrat Muslim Aud sent a renowned companion of the Promised Messiah, Malvi Abdul Rahman Nayyar, to establish the first mission in West Africa. Khalifa Tomasi II had drawn the attention of the Ahmadiyya community to the importance of Africa, and in one of his addresses he said, God Almighty has preserved the countries of Africa for Ahmadiyyat. The future of Ahmadiyyat is closely connected with Africa. This was in Al-Fazl on the 8th of February 1961, and also in Muslim Herald, page 31. And during his tour of West Africa in 1970, Dikhalifat al-Masih III was inspired to establish schools, colleges, and hospitals in order to promote health and education in six countries of West Africa for the betterment of the oppressed nations. And at the end of his visit to these countries, he arrived in London on May the 24th, 1970, and he announced the Nusrat Jahan scheme at the Fazl Mosque. And in Al-Fazl on the 5th of July, 1970, page 7, reads, In Gambia, God Almighty 
forcefully inspired me that this is the time when I should spend at least £100,000 in West African countries. If I do, God Almighty will bless the scheme and will produce excellent results. This amount was needed over a three-year period and would go on to the establishment of the substantial number of schools and hospitals that were uh, built. Hazur also appealed to the Ahmadi doctors and teachers to offer their services. The responses of the community in making donations as well as volunteering their services was overwhelming. And by the end of 1972, around two years of the Nusrat Jahan scheme was being launched. 16 new hospitals, 13 new secondary schools were established in West Africa. The Nusrat Jahan scheme exceeded all expectations and very soon was made permanent so that other West African countries could also benefit. Now, from um, European countries, Spain had a very special place in the hearts of all Muslims. And during the 1970 uh, European tour, Azur was mindful of the great role Muslim Spain had played in enlightening the rest of the world, and in particular, Europe. Muslim Spain was a place of tolerance and great learning for over 700 years, and it had saddened and distressed Azur the way Muslims were driven out from Spain when the reconquest that took place under the Christian rulers. In 1946, Azat Muslim the second caliph, had sent the first missionary, Molana Karam Elai Zafar, to start spreading the message of Ahmadiyyat and Islam in Spain. However, he had encountered many difficulties in the propagation of uh, Islam in Spain. Uh, Yusuf, if you could just uh, again take us the special visions and relationship that Hazur used to have yeah, in relation to Spain. Absolutely, just like every caliph, Hazur um, experienced you know, visions, dreams and, and revelations very frequently and and he, he would very, very rarely mention them. But uh, on occasion, he said that I have heard the voice of my God many times. And he himself has guided me in times of difficulty. During this trip to uh, Spain in 1970, when Jesus plane approached Madrid airport, he became very restive and he turned to his accompanying entourage and said, I can hear the tramp of the hooves of Tariq's horses. Yusuf, I think um, probably this is a good place for us to have a break and we'll carry on. This such an important trip and such an important position for Spain. So we'll restart in the second half uh, from this. So let's have a, a break and we'll shortly be with you uh, soon, inshallah. Ya Anur. The light. The one who illuminates all with his divine light. Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth. Assalamualaikum and welcome back to part two of the life and services of Hazrat uh, Mizan Asar Ahmed, third caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim uh, community. So we were just discussing his 1970 trip and uh, heading towards uh, Spain. So Yusuf, just just take us through that incident again, because it's so important to read his uh, thoughts as he was heading on the plane towards uh, Madrid. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, um, you know, previously that um, you know, like every caliph, uh, Hazrat uh, Mizanasrim had 
many dreams, revelations, um, and experiences. And and he was, you know, very rarely uh, he would express these. Um, but on occasion, he said, "I've heard the voice of my God many times, and He Himself has guided me in times of difficulty." Relating to the trip in 1970, when Jesus' plane uh, approached Madrid airport, he became very restive and he turned to his accompanying entourage and said, I can hear the trump of the hooves of Tarek's horses. Can you also hear them? And this, you know, goes to that Tarek bin Zed of, uh, and, and the trip to Gibraltar and then going into Spain, Spain obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And when Hazul arrived in the historic city of Cordoba and entered the Grand Mosque, a professor who taught in one of the Cordoba colleges being uh, deeply influenced by Hazu's continence, approached him, shook his hand, and with great deference offered to show him around the mosque. Hazur went inside the mosque, guided by the professor, and in the archway, in spite of centuries having been passed, saw verses of the Holy Quran written in gold. The Ayatul Kursi was easily legible. At one time, the mosque could accommodate 30,000 worshippers. That is perhaps the biggest covered mosque in the whole world. A part of the mosque had been transformed into a church, and Hazur said, After all, why did the Christians not convert the whole of the mosque into a church? There was nothing to stop them. The reason appears to be that the Christians feared that if the whole of the mosque became a church, how they could fill it with worshippers. In a way, it was an admission of the lack of confidence. After all, the Muslims had made the mosque as vast as they felt that the Muslim worshippers would fill it. Uh, this must have been quite an incredible experience uh, seeing this uh, and the, the sort of historical significance of it as well. So the next um, day, Azu's entourage left for Granada to visit the Alhambra Palace. It was from Granada that the last Muslim ruler, um, uh, Abu Abdullah, was exiled uh, by Queen Isabella and her husband. The Alhambra is the heart of Granada which had assumed great fame throughout the world. A great distinction of this palace is that here, there and everywhere, the words, La Ghalib illa Allah, none but Allah is dominant, have been engraved. Uh, in whichever direction, look, you see these words. Now it is related that when Amir Abdul Rahman went to see the palace, that was the ruler uh, of the time, he paused at the entrance for a few minutes and then suddenly returned to the palace from which he came. A little later, the courtiers approached the king and inquired as to why he did not pass through the gate of the palace. And the king said, When I reached the entrance to the palace, influenced by its vastness, its beauty, its architecture, and the tastefully laid out gardens, for a moment arrogant feelings touched me. At that moment I said to myself, O Abdul Rahman, display of your importance is shirk. My heart shuddered and I came back without seeing the palace. I was determined not to return to the palace until here, there and everywhere there is evidence of the dominance of the Almighty, so that the thought of pride and arrogance do not enter my mind. Only after these words had been engraved did the king move into the palace. Now it's an amazing reverence and understanding of his position in the eyes of God Almighty, Absolutely. wasn't it? Very moving. So Munir, um, just to take us through again the feelings of Azur as he visited this historic palace. It is a beautiful palace. 
I have visited it as well, and it's just amazing. Go on. It's magnanimous. Yes. Now, during his stay at the Alhambra Hotel in Granada, Hazur offered his humble supplications, after which God Almighty revealed to Hazur a verse from the Holy Quran. Allah is sufficient for him who puts his trust in Allah. Allah is sure to attain his purpose. Allah has appointed a measure of everything. This is from the Holy Quran, chapter uh, 65, verse 4. Mulana Karam Ilahi Zafar narrates, When I presented myself to Hazur the next morning, Hazur had transcribed this revelation on the hotel's tissue paper and stated, I could not sleep last night owing to the anxiety that we lack the means to spread Islam in Spain. But when I received this revelation, I was contented that at the appropriate time, God Almighty himself will provide the means. And inshallah, later on in the program, we will see how that was uh, fulfilled as well. But this was really a historic and uh, spiritually very moving trip for Hazur and the other Ramdis that uh, accompanied him. Uh, in 1972, the Chinese ambassador toured Rabwa uh, uh, and had the honor of meeting Azur Khalifatul Masih III. Azur had complete command over the revolutionary philosophies of capitalism and communism and socialism. He was also aware of the impact of Mao Zedong on China and how he had embraced socialism or communism to lead his communist party. Azur would often talk about Mao's Red Book and he sent Mirza Mubarak Emma, the Vakil of Tabshir, uh, on a visit to China. Another prominent Ahmadiyya and grandson of the Promised Messiah, Mirza Muzaffar Ahmad, lovingly known as M.M. Ahmad, uh, who held prominent roles in the government of Pakistan, also played a prominent role in arranging the historic visit of President Nixon of America to China in 1972. This was a meeting that would bring China and the United States much closer over the next few decades and ultimately to China becoming a major economic power. The arrival of a Chinese ambassador to the headquarters of the community during the period of his Khilafat is an important event. It is a noteworthy coincidence that there is proof of a Chinese ambassador visiting Medina during the Khilafat of Umar, Anhu. Sometime after this event, Hazur was at a meeting where he narrated a dream of this in which he was sending many missionaries on horses to China. So, uh, Yusuf, let's now move on to his third tour and subsequent tours as well. So, please, if you could take us Yeah, through. so Hazur undertook several more visits to the West, and these included his uh, third tour, as you've stated, to European countries from 13th of July till 26th of September in 1973, he visited Britain, West Germany, Holland, Switzerland, Italy, Sweden and Denmark again. His fourth tour of Europe uh, um, undertaken from 5th of August to 29th of October 1975, during which he visited England, again Denmark, Sweden, Norway, West Germany, Holland and Switzerland. He delivered addresses at the occasions of the annual convention uh, UK, which we know as Jalsa Slanan, laid the foundation of the Nassau Mosque in Gothenburg in, in Sweden. His fifth tour of the West included a tour of the North American continent. In July 1976, he visited Washington, Dayton, New York, New Jersey, and Madison. Hazur then travelled to Sweden, where he inaugurated Nasser Mosque on the 20th of August 1976, and that was in Gothenburg. Hazur then went to Copenhagen in Denmark on the 29th of August and completed his tour 
of the Scandinavian countries by the 1st of September. From there he reached Germany and after touring Germany, Switzerland, Holland and Britain, he returned back on the 20th of October 1976. These were quite breathtaking tours and the impact they had on the members of the Amdia community uh, in these countries was uh, quite amazing. Um, Azur undertook his sixth tour of Europe in 1978 um, and his seventh and final tour took place in 1980. The seventh tour took place during the last year of the 14th century after Hijra, from 26th June to 24th October 1980, and extended over three continents this time, namely Europe, North America, and Africa. The African tour was from 18th August to 30th August, and included Nigeria and Ghana, two very, very important countries for the Amdiya Muslim community in Africa. The North American tour was from 4th September to 23rd September, and included visits to Canada and the United States uh, as well. During the European leg of the tour, Azur spent a considerable amount of time in the UK and also travelled to Germany, Switzerland, Austria, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Holland and Spain. Um, he inaugurated the first mosque of Norway in Oslo called Bethun Nur. He inaugurated five new centres in Britain, Huddersfield, Manchester, Bradford, Southall and Birmingham. And probably some of us will uh, remember those, Munir. Uh, those are historic uh, in our parts of the world, in Huddersfield for yourself, and Bradford uh, uh, for, for me uh, as well. Uh, Yusuf uh, was in Huddersfield as well, weren't you? You were probably much younger yeah, than Munir. Yeah, I, I, I think I was in one at a time, but obviously my uh, father and mother tell us uh, of the visit of uh, Cliff Tamasi III, Hazem Ahmed. Yeah, yeah they, were, we they were very, very... We were very young, Dr. Sav, as well. So yeah, we I know, that I old know. Well, I, but I, we I, remember I, it well, I, I and do. I still have I do. photographs and albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a wonderful, places. wonderful to set Central my Central Avenue on, in Fartown. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And of course, he also blessed the annual convention of the UK as well. So the visit in Spain to Spain in 1980 was also very memorable for a number of reasons, Manir, if you could take us through that. Yes, thank you. The visit to Spain in 1980 was probably the highlight of Hazur's seventh tour of Europe. It had been Hazur's wish that a new mosque be built in Spain and during his previous tours had instructed Molana Zafar to look uh, for a plot of land near Cordoba. A plot was acquired in uh, Pedrobad, which is about 35 kilometres from Cordoba, and on the 9th of October 1980, after a lapse of more than 700 years, it's amazing, the foundation stone of a new Muslim mosque was laid by Khalifa al-Masih III. Amidst the resounding sounds of Allahu Akbar, Allah is great. And Hazur then gave a historic address in which he used this memorable slogan, which we continue to use, and it's continually the prominent slogan for the Jamaat, love for all, hatred for none. Erecting a mosque is a matter of great importance. I think this is from his address, I this think, is from isn't his, This it? is from yeah, his sorry, address yeah, sorry, in particular. Sorry, yes, yes. Specifically from his address, this is what he says. Erecting a mosque is a matter of great importance, and it is always built with the aim that Allah alone be worshipped there. The lesson that it imparts is that all human beings in the eyes of Allah are one whether they be rich or poor, whether they be learned or illiterate, whether they may be resident of Pedrobad or coming from a distance of a thousand miles or more, or maybe residing in Pakistan. 
As human beings, they are all equal. Islam teaches us to live with mutual love and affection and with humility. It teaches us no distinction between a Muslim or a non-Muslim. My message to everyone is that you must have love for all, hatred for none. I mean, this is an amazing message. And as you say, everywhere you see this displayed yeah. and, uh, you know, um, I, I think so many people appreciate uh, what this message stands for as well. I think the wonderful thing I would like to say is is that the message of love for all, hatred for none, other members, other religious groups and other faith groups actually now using this yes. uh, slogan uh, as their own, which is a wonderful thing to that have. That conveys so much, doesn't it? So, so uh, on the 19th of October, uh, Azat Mirza Nasir Ahmed led Eid prayers in London in that uh, year during that uh, famous tour and uh, arrived back in Rabwa on the 29th of October 1980. So this was really quite an extensive tour. The energizing effect of Azuz's tours on Amdi's living outside Pakistan, where the headquarters of the Amdiya community was based, can be judged from this um, uh, piece that was written by uh, Mansoor Shah Saab, who's a very prominent member of our community and has been for many, many decades uh, Munir, if you could read it through. Yes, um, I will do, yes. Uh, the Ahmadiyya movement in Islam of the United Kingdom must consider itself most fortunate that London lies at the crossroads of air routes bridging the east and the west. Once again, it was afforded the opportunity of playing host to the recent visit of Hazrat Mirza Nasir Ahmad Khalifa al-Masih III. During and following each visit, there is a new renewal of the active life of the London Mosque. Suddenly the place overflows with many people attracted by his message and anxious to share his company. Like a beehive, the place is abuzz with activity which continues long after his departure. It is as if rain has suddenly descended on a parched land. And as you mentioned, these are the comments from Mansoor Shah Saab as related in Muslim Herald on November 1980. Uh, I mean, all these visits just energize members and we are personal witnesses to that, even as younger people of that time. But, you know, just as uh, the community was getting itself well-established and recognized in the outside world, trouble was brewing back in uh, Pakistan. Um, Amdiya Muslim community had been a, a staunch supporter of Muhammad Ali Jinnah's vision for Pakistan and had actively been involved in nation-building since partition in 1947. However, Jinnah's vision of building a secular and inclusive state in Pakistan proved difficult in the face of rising religious um, fundamentalism or mullahism, as we commonly call it. By 1954, it became clear that the government was giving ground to the mullahs. For the next two decades, Ahmadis faced severe attacks on their properties and businesses. The ulema, uh, or the mullahs, treated Ahmadis not only as non-Muslims, but also as threats to Islam. So take us through this troubling period and how our beloved Khalifa really uh, guided the community through this difficult period. Yeah, absolutely. The, the leadership of obviously Hazrat Mirza uh, Nasser Ahmed um, during that time, and, and uh, um, the reins of Pakistan were in the hands of uh, Zulfiqar Ali Bhutto, um, and he was a leader of the Pakistan's People's Party uh, a socialist-inclined uh, movement. And Ahmadis had actively supported uh, his uh, Pakistan People Party because the party's manifesto and constitution clearly stated that religion or faith 
is a personal matter for every individual and the government had no right to interfere. So going back to what uh, Muhammad Ali Jinnah had set out um, uh, as, uh, you know, for Pakistan in terms of declaration at that time, all of the uh, political parties were bitterly opposed to Ahmadiyyat and were not prepared to tolerate even its uh, continents. So in, in, in 1974, what we saw was some narrow-minded and prejudiced ulama hatched a well-thought-out conspiracy yeah, similar to what we've probably seen in there when we spoke about the Iran and so forth mm. of uh, having an impact on the Jamaat against the Ahmadis in, in further their political aims. So on the 22nd of May 1974, a minor incident at the Ravva railway station became an excuse for um, executing a pre-arranged plan. The entire country was swept up to what, uh, in wave of uh, processions, huge assemblies, demonstrations, social boycott of Ahmadis, looting, plundering as well as rampant killings. The perverse enemies burnt Ahmadiyya mosques, copies of the Holy Quran, these books of the Promised Messiah, and even houses of the Ahmadis in some places. Businesses were destroyed and factories were set on fire. Many of the Ahmadis were martyred in the way of Allah who all laid their lives out gladly. But we, we see that as well uh, in, in this time and age, the same things. The government of Pakistan required the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim uh, community, which was Azam Nasser Ahmed at that time, to present himself personally before the committee of the National Assembly to enunciate his standpoint and to answer all the questions that may be asked of him on that occasion. He was allowed to have four self-selected representatives to assist him, which consisted of Hazam Izzatayr Ahmed, which we know became the fourth caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community at that time, Malana Abdul Atad Jalandri Sahib, I believe he's the uh, late father of uh, uh, Imam Saf in the London Mosque, and Sheikh Muhammad Ahmed Mazar, the former Amir Jamaat uh, Ahmadiyya District, Faisalabad, and Malana Dost uh, Muhammad Shaisa, which we'll all remember as uh, a vivid historian of the, the Jamaat. Yeah, this was uh, an amazing historic uh, event. The exposition of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community's position um, was done in the form of uh, Mazarnama, the memorandum, uh, and it was submitted as a historical document and is now available, in fact, for everyone to read. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III personally answered all the allegations that were made and provided their solid, well-reasoned and conclusive rebuttal. The entire proceedings were recorded by the government, but unfortunately, for unknown reasons, the government has so far kept this record secret, despite the fact that a long time has elapsed and several governments have come and gone. The record of these proceedings has to this day uh, not been made public, and they're probably scared of it, to be honest, more than anything else. But the Mazarnama can be read, uh, and it's on the Amdia you know, websites uh, as well. So, Munir, this was a, a difficult uh, period, but great leadership um, was clearly shown by Hazur. Absolutely. This was a very difficult time for the community. Hazur stood like a solid rock facing the storm of opposition and tyranny. Many Ahmadis suffering persecution would come to Rabwa with grief-stricken faces to meet Hazur and would leave with an expression of pleasure and rejuvenation of faith. Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih III advised the community not to counter tyranny with tyranny. In a message he said, Be patient and pray. Be patient and pray. Be patient and pray and keep your places of prostration wet with tears. Become prayer personified and await the help of God every moment. During these days, Allah revealed to him. So a plan has been made for mockery. You keep on expanding your houses. God himself 
is enough for those who are mocking and shall himself settle with him. So due to the dictates of political expediency, the government declared Ahmadis to be outside the pale of Islam in order to win the support of the extremist Muslim clerics. And since a large number of these hardline clerics had already penetrated the ranks of the official government, opposition, which also fully supported the government in this matter, the government in power, which had served as the means of executing this mockery, was ended by martial law, being imposed in the country in July 1977. And Bhutto was sentenced to death by hanging. Uh, Allah protects those who loves him, and he is the best of the planners. Oh, absolutely true. Um, Azad Muslim, the second uh, caliph, uh, had made a prophecy uh, for the person who was to uh, succeed him. And I quote uh, his prophecy, I give glad tidings to the person whom Allah will appoint as the third Khalifa. Even if the governments of the world clash with him, they will be shattered to pieces. And we saw what happened to Bhutto and uh, inshallah subsequent uh, governments uh, as well. Although Amdis were declared non-Muslim by means of an amendment to the constitution of Pakistan, those who did this were humiliated and destroyed. On the other hand, God manifested his glory in such a way that this persecution became the cause for the rapid expansion of Ahmadiyya throughout the world. Many new missions were established in Europe, Africa and America as experienced by Azul's numerous tours across the world. The sixth tour of uh, Europe by Mizan Asarem in 1978 was one of the most important tours as its highlight was the historic Conference on the Deliverance of Jesus from the Cross, which took place from the 2nd to the 4th of June 1978 in the Commonwealth Centre, Kensington, London. This was a truly groundbreaking and historic event. Uh, Yusuf, if you could take yeah, us through that. Yeah, absolutely. And it attracted a lot of people from a lot of different places across the globe. And so during the first two days, some world-famous scholars read their papers on this subject of uh, deliverance of Jesus from the cross. More than 1,500 representatives from all around the world attended. And in addition um, to delegates from Gambia, Sierra Leone, Mauritius and Liberia, two official observers of the Catholic Church in Poland and one observer of the Catholic Archbishop in Britain were also in attendance. This event was widely publicised by newspapers all over the world. Invitations were advertised on an international level for the sake of conducting an exchange of views with the Christians of the highest order to be conducted between dignitaries of the Ahmadi Muslim community and those from the churches of various schools of thought. The British TV and radio made several broadcasts about the event and a number of national newspapers, including the Times, the Telegraph and the Daily Guardian, etc., covered the event in detail. The Sunday Telegraph published a special edition which included reports of the interviews with Khalifa Masih III and an interview with Hazrat Chaudhry and Muhammad Zafrullah Khan. For the first time, the message of Ahmadiyyat was delivered in a very powerful way and right in the heart of London. This is part of where Jesus Christ did not die on the cross, but was miraculously saved from the cross and at the age of 120 years died a natural death in Srinagar, Kashmir, where he is buried. At the end of the conference, uh, Mr. Tom Cox, MP, held a reception to honour Hazrat Khalifa Masih III in the House of Commons cafeteria. Apart from members of the Jamaat, a large numbers of British parliamentarians also attended and met Tazur. 
Throughout his life, uh, Hazur was greatly interested in education, and in particular the education of the youth of the community. And he established lots of uh, different programs for uh, checking on the education achievements of uh, young people. Um, and he had this belief that we need the highest level of education for Ahmadiyya to succeed um, throughout the world. Um, the annual convention of 1981 proved to be the last convention of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III. The projects under the Amdiya Centenary Jubilee Plan proceeded at a fast pace, and Azur said, and I'll read this uh, quote, We have now entered the 15th century Hijra in order to witness magnificent signs of God. After 745 years, the mosque in Spain has been completed. We also expanded towards the east, uh, though we haven't gone there yet. Allah Almighty has made it possible for a house to be bought in Japan, then again, a lot of expansion is taking place in Canada and in America. A lot of expansion is taking place in many parts of Africa. I am amazed, in fact, lost in amazement, and I've come to the conclusion that God's greatness has been proven in my time by the fact that he took an utterly humble person like me by hand and announced that he would cause a revolution in the world through his magnificent being, and he did. So, Yusuf, just to com- be a concluding of a little bit of time, just uh, uh, I think the concluding address, a few points from 1981. Yeah, so um, Hazur, you know, like, like you mentioned, had, had a great fondness and, for the future generations and, and ensuring um, the advancement of the, the Yamadi Muslim community, intrinsically linked to obviously to the youngsters and so forth. And, and on, on this address, Hazur mentioned a, a, a gift to the community as uh, uh, called the Sitara of Ahmadiyyat or the Star of Ahmadiyyat. Hazur said... Um, I think probably this is... Uh, we're running out of time. Um, but that had 14... Yes, uh, it did, 14. Uh, 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 in the centre of it. So yeah. it's a great gift from in then. Um, unfortunately, he was not able to do the inauguration of the Spanish mosque because uh, illness uh, had uh, hit him. And um, uh, he had a, a massive uh, heart attack. And uh, it's reported that early in the morning of 9th June um, 1982, he, he passed away and uh, prayers were led, obviously, uh, in Rabwa. And uh, subsequently, Khalifat al-Masih IV was elected as Mizata Tahir Ahmed. But we've seen um, this was a remarkable person who achieved so much. Uh, there are many bright aspects um, in relation to the personality of Khalifat al-Masih III. Uh, the most dominant aspect was his magnetic personality and the smiling, glowing visage, which was a result of his connection and with and devotion to Allah and his complete trust in God Almighty. Uh, he was a giant amongst the leaders of the Amdiya Muslim community, led it through some very difficult times. And um, we hope and pray that listeners uh, found uh, this educational and informative. I want to thank Munir and uh, Yusuf uh, for their contributions uh, as well. So uh, we will leave you in peace. Uh, please do visit the website www.voiceofislam.co.uk and listen to some of the programs on the SoundCloud for Living History. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.